Welcome to Dynasty Ball, the Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast. It has been a long time since we last recorded, Ben. Uh, I don't even remember the last time. I know that we had kind of recapped the running back and tight end situation from last year, uh, and there has been a lot that has happened then. But before we get into the NFL, how have you been? It's been uh, it's been good. Having fun watching the Mariners. I don't even know if the Mariners season had started. I mean, the ups and downs. It's Mariners season. It is what it is. The Mariners uh, chat is not is not thrilled at the moment, but uh, I've I've decided to just fully embrace who the Mariners are this year. I think sometimes I'm like I don't need to get too high. I shouldn't be upset with no. I'm like ah, fuck it. When we go on like a three game winning streak, we're going to the World Series. And when we lose three games, I'm like, how <laughs> is Jerry not gone? Like I'm supposed to enjoy sports here, right? Like analytics, whatever. You sound you sound like most every Seahawks fan for the last like five or six years, so that, that kind of makes sense. I don't know what Seahawks fans you know that just want to have fun and run. <laughs> no, no, no. I meant in terms of like when the highs are high and the, when the low, it's low, kind of, you know. So. Oh, I guess that's true. I guess. I guess that's pretty accurate. <laughs> Usually okay. it's just been all low with us. I don't know. <laughs> so to uh, just, I guess, cover some of the, the talk since we've last recorded obviously there was some free agents news we've covered most of that i think in previous episodes there was the draft we're going to have a draft episode that we're going to record right after this today's topics are really going to be focused on looking back at 2021 specifically the wide receivers and qbs last year and just kind of giving general thoughts again with the context of setting up for some of our season preview stuff which hopefully will be coming up you know in the next few months um but before we get into that, let's again just kind of cover some of the things that have been happening. So, Ben, I know that you wanted to talk a little bit about Tua and the goings that have been happening down in Miami. So, uh, you know, tell the people what's been going on there. I mean, got to love the uh, the mini camp press conference. A uh, little bit of drama. Uh, got to love Tyreek talking up Tua and just, you know, just putting a teeny bit of pressure on him, saying he's more accurate than Mahomes, but obviously Mahomes got a stronger arm. And I mean, that stuff's all fluff. I, I feel a little bad. I'm like, oh, too. I hope you hope you get through this now that you got a sort of diva wide receiver. At least he's uh, Tyreek has blossomed. He's out from Kansas City. He can do his own thing. Talked up how he's going to run all sorts of complex routes, and Tua's just got to hit him in the bread basket, and he'll make it work. Uh, I did think, did you see that he complained about not getting the ball enough in KC? I did, um, which I actually give Tyreek props because that never came up in Kansas City, which, yeah, I mean, well done. That's pretty rare to have a wide receiver of his skill that doesn't blow up at some point over that kind of thing. I also wonder if this is a little bit revisionist history, like he's almost looking back at his time and trying to come up with reasons why it sucked to be there. Um <laughs> Because I, I don't a rationalization of being in Miami now. He's like, it's sunny and they didn't really give me the ball enough. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, you know, we we were in contention to win a Super Bowl every year. It was just, you know, not his thing. So. He had to play too many games, maybe. But uh, <laughs> I did. I was curious because I was like, I wonder how much he actually got. And he had 43 uh, percent of targets of the wide receiver group. It was like 30 something yeah. overall, because obviously Travis is getting a bunch. Um, 
but it was like 10. So it wasn't bad. The interesting thing, though, is Jalen Waddle had 45 last year. Like he was definitely a target hog considering being a rookie and all. I think the Tyree situation, especially when we're talking about target share in Kansas City, it was not a decision from Andy Reid or Mahomes to get him the ball or not get him the ball. Teams were doubling him, like, or tripling him tripling every single possession. I mean, like, it was him and Kelsey were really the only real threats in the passing game. And while Kelsey did wreck game plans, he didn't wreck individual games like Tyreek could. So, like, I think a lot of that wasn't Kansas City's fault. And I think Tyreek probably realized that at the time. And again, maybe this is some revisionist history, but I don't, I don't really see that you know, haven't been a problem there. The interesting thing that you pointed out is I think it's pretty reasonable to say that Miami has better weapons from top to bottom than in Kansas City. Um, So, you know, if teams are going to double or triple Tyreek, I mean, you have Gusecki and Waddle and Edmonds, um, who's probably going to run, you know, some routes as well. So there's a lot. I think there's better younger players in Miami. Of course, the problem is, is... um, I don't really believe in Tua, and uh, I was going to make the comment that well, Tua is definitely more accurate because all he has to do is throw four-yard screen passes. So <laughs> hey, he got he's got the offense coming in for it too, so he'll be set up uh, to succeed. I think. Did you see the video of it was the Miami Dolphins Twitter account? They tweeted it was like the first OTA practice, and it was like a it was a Tua to Tyreek with a missile emoji <laughs> and Tua underthrew him by like 10 yards. Like he had to completely <laughs> stop and turn around and catch the ball. And everybody was just clowning on them. Cause they're like, yep, see, this is what we all thought was going to happen. And, you know, oh. again, like I don't think Tua has that bad of an arm. And again, he, he was recovering from fairly significant surgery the year before. So I think there's a lot to be said that he has a full off season to, rehab and strengthen you know, i think last year was probably more of just kind of getting by um so i don't think it's going to be as big of a problem as people are making it out to be but uh it's going to be a lot different for tyreek there's going to have to be a lot more yak um i think than there was in kansas city you're not going to have I mean, two is not going to throw you know 65 yard bombs it's just not it's not going to happen so um, but yeah miami i definitely think i would argue is one of the more intriguing teams in the nfl just overall um, and AFC especially East, fantasy AFC um, East is all fun. All fun. I agree completely. Um, I think when we get into our division previews, um, we're going to very, very much enjoy that one. Um, we'll move from kind of some exciting, fun, playful stuff in Miami to maybe some more unfortunate, just kind of shake your head kind of things happening in Cleveland. Um Obviously, I think anybody who listens to this podcast would be aware that, you know, there have been a lot of new developments uh, in the Deshaun Watson case. Uh, that situation has just gotten uglier and uglier, uglier and uglier. Um, what are your thoughts, Ben? Uh, there's a lot going on there. Uh, I don't really know how much of it is fantasy relevant, but certainly. My is. only, I mean, obviously, aside from the fact that Deshaun Watson seems to be quite the scumbag and whatnot. Um, Baker Mayfield's obviously still pissed off. And like, it just makes me wonder as this continues to spiral and the NFL is going to have to, you know, protect the shield and all um, like, how likely are we going to end up with Jacoby Brissett playing or whoever in Cleveland and just tank? I'm sure, you know, 
Chubb's still going to score and Kareem Hunt's still going to score, but like their offense might look really crappy. Like there is, there is a case where like it just goes to shit and tanks the value of your Browns players. And like, yeah, man, I don't know how their front office can do. I mean, I'm sure they thought it was a master stroke and all that, but man. I mean, you think about Cleveland a year ago, um, coming off having a pretty competitive year. They still had one of the best offensive lines in football. Their defense looked like it was going to be fairly legit. Uh, People were kind of lukewarm on Baker, but they had a lot of weapons, including just awesome tandem running backs. There was like a foundation there, I felt like, where they were looking that they actually might turn the corner and become somewhat relevant. Um, And obviously, you know, they traded Odell. Now you got the quarterback situation that's falling apart. Their offensive linemen, who are all kind of in that first contract, maybe second contract time period, are all going to be up here um, if they haven't already been signed. And so you're going to probably lose some of them. Um, you know, they signed Clowney. So there's just, it, it's a really interesting. They got, they got Cooper. How's that yeah. for We have to talk about that. I don't know what to do with some of the, some of those players, but. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a mess. Um Difficult. It's going to be a difficult situation to kind of predict all year. Um, and if you're a Deshaun Watson owner in Dynasty, uh, bold move, hold them that long. I know my brother's probably still has them, but uh, yeah. Anyway, a little bit, a little bit of a messy situation. Uh, the other note that we had, or I guess two more notes. Um, first is is Matt Ryan. Uh, like you noted to me before we started recording today, a lot of praise coming his way from indie staff which uh, i will just point out has been a pattern every single year the last three years <laughs> i mean philip rivers was looking young he was throwing the ball around you know everybody was commenting about how he still had it um he could not throw uh, especially as we got it later in the year uh and then same thing with Wentz last year well, he everybody, just didn't know where to throw Everybody was raving about Wentz, and everyone was like, oh, my God, it's finally a quarterback that can throw it deep. Um, and, again, just just did not work. So I take very, very little um, into what's being said about my Ryan. I, if I had to bet, I would bet that he's going to be better than the previous two situations. But, um, <laughs> you know, if you're somebody who's thinking about drafting Matt Ryan or trading for him, um, you can certainly do that. But I think there's, especially when you look at the weapons that he's going to have, which are very limited, um, you could argue that he actually may have less weapons in Indy than he's ever had in Atlanta, maybe last year being the exception. Uh, But there is not a lot of talent in the passing game uh, in Indianapolis right now. And so from a fantasy perspective, you know, buyer beware on that, Ryan. Any additional thoughts on that, Ben? Yeah, I can't say that uh, I get super excited about the Colts offense this year. I mean, maybe Matt can do it, but I think you just putting it on that. It's not like he has a better offense around him. Yeah, much better. It's going to be he's he's not going to be challenged as much. It's not going to be he has to win and he can let the defense carry it and the running game. But like, is that going to make me want my fantasy team? No, no, not at all. So efficiency, don't care. And then the last note, this kind of is going to, we're going to just kind of turn this into a remember when segment. Um, again, the remember when segment is usually a segment where you look back at a player 
or a season that was very memorable uh, in terms of fantasy football, especially since we've been playing. And uh, this is on a solemn note, but we wanted to look back and just kind of harken back on Marion Barber and, you know, that the fantasy player that he was um, and just kind of how fun those Cowboys teams were, even if you hate the Cowboys. Uh, those were kind of the the classic Cowboy teams in terms of hype, talent, and then disappointment in the playoffs, which kind of was their calling card and I guess still is. Um, still is. Has been for, for a long time, but... Ben, I'll let you start it off. Just kind of what do you remember about Marion Barber? Um, we'll keep it on a positive note here, just in terms of what he was like as a fantasy football player. Yeah, well, and I mean, too, it's. Uh, yeah, you can you can see when some players give everything they have on the field, what effect that can have. And that is I mean, I don't want to shy away from that, really, but it is a sad story to some degree. But the things he could do on a football field. And from what his teammates described, seemed like he was a pretty cool dude. And he was just insane. <laughs> like, I feel like there was like no, like even being a Seahawks fan and watching Marshawn Lynch run crazy. Like Marshawn was like a, I don't know, like some sort of big cat. Like he was had like so much power, but he could just like, and I always remember this like famous one where Marshawn like juked out Ray Lewis and another linebacker. It might've been Suggs, but like Marion just like ran through people. He was like, I feel like the truck stick came into being in Madden for his purpose. Like the existence of that is because of what he could do on the football field. Him, I know and, Brent, him and Brandon Jacobs. Oh, Brandon Jacobs too. Yeah. Oh, for sure. But like, yeah, just so, so darn physical. And so like they've shown that that highlight a couple of times where he makes that two yard gain and he runs the whole like <laughs> sideline to sideline in the back of the end zone. And he just doesn't quit. And like, he was made for a different era of football. Like, yeah. Totally. And for those that don't remember, so Marion Barber played on those, you know, mid 2000 Cowboys teams. And, you know, he was shared a backfield with Felix Jones. Uh, the, and Juice. And Juice. Felix Jones is that that classic, um, you know, always thought he was going to break out, never did type of player. So he was kind of the lightning and Marion Barber was definitely the hammer on those teams. Uh, they had obviously T.O., Miles Austin, Jason Witten, those were like Romo prime years there. Um, in terms of fantasy relevance, he had in 2006, 2007, he had back-to-back 10 touchdown seasons. He had 14 touchdowns in 2006 um, and two receiving, so 16 touchdowns overall. Only had, you know, 600 yards, but he was definitely a touchdown machine thief uh, a touchdown thief is what they <laughs> called it before he took over the job julius we were probably all being like come on yeah I mean, if julius would have taken 10 of those swapped their touchdowns he would have had a huge thousand plus yard season 18 touchdowns instead split backfields man but yeah. they were fun to watch i mean definite yeah. thunder and lightning type and julius had his big old biceps yeah so anyway, uh, great player on on a fun, you know, really relevant fantasy squad back then. And obviously really sad with what happened in his passing. Uh, so I guess, again, thanks, Marion Barber, for all the fantasy football memories and, you know, thoughts out to your your family during all this tough times going on here. Cool. All right. Well, let's jump from that into looking back at 2021, specifically, again, the wide receivers and quarterbacks. We're just going to 
do kind of a quick review of those two positions and and things that kind of stood out to us um, from from last year. So, Ben, I'll let you start this conversation um, and we'll kind of just go back and forth. Let's yeah. start with uh, a wide receiver situation that kind of intrigued you from from last year. Again, try to trying to keep the conversation to last year, not looking forward too too much. It's it's hard considering free agency and the draft. All I want to do is look at next year, but it is uh, it's critical to you know actually have a little reflection time on what you thought was going to happen and what did or didn't or what trends. And not that we have to overreact to everything, but I mean the biggest thing that stood out to me for the wide receiver group is the top three wide receivers all came from outside the top 1980p. So. It was not like you just picked. I mean, Devontae Adams was still, I think, fourth in scoring. Sure. But mm-hmm. people just, like, flew in from out of nowhere. And, mm-hmm. you know, their names aren't out of nowhere. I mean, it's Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, and Debo Samuel. Um, but I just thought that was kind of cool. I, I didn't I didn't do it enough of a dive to see whether that's how frequently that happens. But it felt different to yeah. have the top three guys all just kind of like, I mean, you could have had a, quite the squad of some folks teams if you drafted right i mean you yeah. could have went running back running back running back and then pulled three maybe not quite that deep you would have wouldn't have got cooper maybe but still so i, I what i was just kind of thinking of was uh i mean one i love cooper cup so much it pisses me off that he's a ram i wanted him for the hawks back in the day and got to watch him him and uh vernon adams just absolutely ripped up the huskies um, I mean, I think Vernon had seven touchdowns. Cooper had like three and 180 against a good Husky squad with some, I mean, I think Sidney Jones might've been there at the time. Uh, it was embarrassing at the moment, but I guess he was a good dude. Yeah. Um, and I mean, he had 15 touchdowns. I did not, I did not think that Matt Stafford, I thought there would be a little more adjustment period. And obviously we knew Matt Stafford had, had Megatron and he just bombed the ball to Megatron and he would do it and with other guys, not the same amount. Um, but I think looking back, seeing that switch, I think it should have been more obvious that Cup was going to eat. Um, yes, I think so. I think Wood's injury, you know, part through the season probably enhanced that, you know, um, I mean, Cooper was great consistently throughout, but I'm sure that that helped, especially, um, you know, when your options are limited, uh, you know, not having a lot of tight end play to throw to there. And then your other options were um, inconsistent, you know, I'll say. So I think that that probably helped. And that might be a reason why we see some regression there, because I know L.A.'s got a lot of weapons again. Alan Robinson coming in. So there's there's a lot to to like, obviously, about what Cooper did last year. And I'm sure that he's going to be a top five guy again very easily but um you know outpacing the field by shit you know 20 percent i think it was 20 percent more points than and like the number leading two all all three categories <laughs> yeah. catches yards touchdown it's a it's a record book type season and i would i would not expect him to repeat it but Stafford yeah. will still get him the ball the one thing that's really encouraging i would say in terms of dynasty for cooper is just the fact that um and this is cliche and i don't want to be cliche uh but he doesn't necessarily rely on speed to separate from guys he's he's a very good athlete and he's he's quite fast but 
he is extremely intelligent in terms of finding holes. And I think that showed a lot last year. There was a couple of times in the playoffs last year where there were some great highlights of Stafford just basically waiting for Cooper to find a window and throwing it to him in, in those spots. And, and he's, he's got a great yards after catch. Uh, he break a lot of tackles, uh, very physical guy after he catches the ball, but I can't see his his game aging poorly, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I think he he can do this for a long time as long as he stays healthy. There was a uh, some uh, hype. Uh, oh, my God. I'm blanking on our, our little Raiders wide receiver out of Clemson. White guy. Oh, Hunter Renfro. Yeah. Hunter, Hunter Renfro. There was some there was some talk that Hunter Renfro is the same as Cooper Cup on uh, Twitter that was light and fireworks. I don't know about that. Cooper's but, a I mean, lot Cooper, more athletic. Cooper's, uh, he is no slouch athletically, and I think his uh, his short area quickness, like, in the, even, yes. even if he's not, like, but he is still explosive, not in, like, a, yes. you know, he's going to, like, put his foot in the ground and just, like, take off. He's explosive dash, in space. Can, like, he's not explosive yeah. vertically, right? Yeah, and that's I think a that's, great yeah, much more that's, eloquent way to put it right there. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's a great trait to have in terms of longevity um, in a wide receiver. I think Devontae Adams is, like, a great example of that, too, right? Not explosive vertically, but so explosive in space and off the line. Um, and those traits seem to, you know, prolong a receiver's career substantially. Reggie Wayne is another example of a guy just like that, right? Super explosive in space. Um but not necessarily explosive vertically. So, uh, Ben, I, I'll put you on the spot here. So we brought up the point that there were a couple of receivers that kind of, you know, shot up the the leaderboard here out of nowhere. Um, give me two names that you think could do something similar this year. Man, you tell us not to think ahead. Now, I no, to. I know, but I'm just. I'm um, so I, I am going to. I'm going to touch on this in a second. I am just refusing to let go of some priors here. Brandon Ayuk, <laughs> it's one guy that I'm like, he's gonna do it. Okay. Um, and then uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. I mean, another guy I'm gonna talk about, but sure, sure, okay. Just uh, yeah, I think those yeah. are both very reasonable answers. Um, I think, I guess my pushback on those answers is I don't think their quarterback situations are quite what Cooper Cup and Jamar Chase were. Um, yeah. So, you know, that could could be a limiting factor, but um, good answers either way. My first guy I want to talk about is uh, somebody who I traded for last year and drove me a little bit nuts. Uh, but then when I was looking back at how he did, you know, he wasn't all that bad. And that was Keenan, Keenan Allen, um, who I think had a lot of hype coming into last year, given kind of where everyone thought Herbert would go and where Herbert did end up going. You know, if you look, if I could show you Herbert's stats from last year and not tell you what the receiver's stats were um, on the Chargers side, you would assume I would think that Keenan had a monstrous top four, top five season. Um, but because of the emergence, obviously, of Mike Williams, as well as really just Herbert doing a really good job of spreading the ball around a lot, uh, you know, we didn't see that super, super big year, especially from a touchdown perspective for Keenan Allen. Still was pretty good in PPR. Didn't help me, but, um, you know, was was a little bit inconsistent. Uh, and guys, guys didn't live up to his hype. I think he was projected to be wide receiver eight, somewhere around there. Ended up at wide receiver 14 
two spots behind Mike Williams. Um, and, you know, that was great for Mike Williams owners. The one thing I did find really interesting about Keenan Allen last year, Ben, is from week six on, so a good portion of the season, so from week six to week 17, Keenan Allen was wide receiver 11, so a little bit better than what he was for the season. And Mike Williams was wide receiver 40. Really? So if you're looking, yeah, yeah. So if you're looking in terms of projecting next year, obviously Mike Williams had some monstrous weeks the first couple, and that really buoyed his overall season performance on the leaderboard. But um, he definitely cooled off towards the end of the year. He was still fine, but wide receiver 40 over the last 11 weeks is I isn't necessarily great. So if you're a Mike Williams owner, I think there's a potential good opportunity to flip him kind of a sell high situation here. Can I think he will be fine next year, probably somewhere in the twenties, I would guess. Um, but considering that he finished wide receiver 12, but, fit, but he was wide receiver 40 over the last 11 weeks, that shows that there might be some regression going on there. Huh. That's an interesting, uh, to look at because my my thought just glancing through some of the the notes here i mean keenan got targeted i mean he had he was two targets short of his career high he had 157 targets and mike williams only had 129 yeah so you start shifting some of those keenan's 30 start shifting some of those but i i had no idea keenan had a very quiet top 15 finish (laughs) did not even not on the radar yeah, and I think part of the reason that Williams kind of fell off the leaderboard there and, and really the last couple of weeks is Guyton finished pretty strong. Um, Jalen Guyton was wide receiver 22 over the last five weeks of the season, and Mike Williams was 29. So, um, And I think Guyton has a little bit more speed. Uh, I think we, sh- we saw Herbert target him downfield a little bit more, so he kind of turned into more of that vertical threat. Keenan obviously does a great job working underneath. Um, and that kind of left Mike Williams as maybe a jump ball guy, you know, didn't didn't have a ton um, to offer once they had a deep threat. And then obviously Keenan doing his thing. So anyway, again, I, I think that Herbert's so special and that offense is good enough that everybody's going to have a good year next year. And I wouldn't necessarily trade Mike Williams for nothing, but there's reason to think that Keenan is still the solid number one there. And you would do good, I think, to, um, you know, Get, acquire him if you can. And I think Guyton's a great sleeper because of that as well. Do you do you think that Mike still – I mean, do you feel like he's over the injury bug or would you still not quite trust that? I I held him for a long time on teams and finally gave him did. up. And you then you see him get healthier. So I didn't track his season as much, um, yeah. partially because I avoided him on all of my leagues. Mm-hmm. Um like yeah, he only, was that that end of the season correlated at all? Was his back flaring up? He again? only missed like, only missed one only missed one game with injury. Um, so I don't think that was an issue. I really think it was more of just kind of a role establishment, right? There was kind of a lot of yeah. unknowns going into last year, and I think um, a big physical target like Mike Williams might be a good default choice when you're trying to figure those things out in the first couple of weeks. And I think that's kind of what he was. There was also a bunch, uh, for those of you who own Mike Williams, you may remember, there was a bunch of like blown coverage assignments that Mike Williams capitalized on, like a couple wide open long touchdowns, um, which pad the stats, but maybe don't, aren't a great indication of the player overall. So I think, you know, the fact that he went through a whole season and missed one game as an, you know, with injury is very impressive for a wide receiver in this day and age. Um, so I wouldn't be as concerned about that. I think just more of there's a lot of weapons in LA. And um, 
I would much rather have the consistency of Keenan than maybe the upside of um, Guyton over Mike Williams at this point. I believe that. Who's your number two wide receiver, Ben, that you want to kind of touch on today? All right. Well, this one is, uh, I already mentioned that I was going to talk about it. This is just real related to my whole draft last year, honestly, if not before that. So um, we just want to talk about Debo and then Brandon Ayuk a little bit. So um, I had Debo. I've been high on Debo for years. Thought Debo was great. Um, got offered Brandon Ayuk mid-season trade last year and was it was like for peanuts i like swapped picks or something and got Ayuk. so i had both of them Ayuk was looking great end of the year and was just really feeling strong like year two he's going to really explode he fits the offense it's going to be a really good look with trey lance i assume trey lance would take the job um and i actually in draft I'm not going to get into the details of how our drops work i ended up keeping debo and dropping Ayuk, and then was hoping to get Ayuk back in the draft and i did Drafted him in the third round. So I traded for Ayuk last year, dropped him, drafted him in the third round, then traded Debo mid-draft for kind of peanuts. He actually turned into Elijah Moore, which I'm quite happy about. Um, but I was like, man, Ayuk's got this. So I did all this exchanging around. I could have just kept Debo the whole damn time and had a <laughs> top two wide receiver. <laughs> like wildly painful to have gone through it. So I was just thinking about like when like – one thing, the Shanahan's, the Belichick's, some of those types that will put players in the doghouse is maybe don't go chasing the one that you think is the right one. Just go with what you have. Keep like, both. We talked yeah. about that, I think, on a previous episode. I think that was an example we talked about it with A.J. Dillon. Aaron Jones was another example of that. Like, if you if you don't know for 100% sure, you are much better off keeping both even if it costs your roster spot because as you noted the value of having the number one receiver in a shanahan offense in a division that you have to throw a ton to win um is of immense value so i think that's a good reflection there ben oh. i like that i like that point there because the the other side of it i was looking at was uh two running backs hell yeah two wide receivers like maybe not like it's, but when you're looking at that high end offense thing where like they are going to run the ball through one guy and Debo was a bit unique with how much he was running the ball. That's fair. Um, but yeah, just, just uh, definitely I mean, lessons learned. If you take, yeah, I'm going to look at what Debo's running stats were here. It wasn't, um, it wasn't that much. Yeah. Maybe so he finished still, with three, three twenty and seven touchdowns. Holy shit. That's a, Okay, that's pretty solid. Um, like I was going to say, if you remove 40 points from him, he's still wide receiver six. Um, 40 points would be all his rush yards and a few touchdowns. So um, obviously, if you take all his rushing touchdowns away, he's going to drop below that. But you take away all his rushing yards and two of his touchdowns, he's still wide receiver six last year, still finishing above Tyreek. So um, while, yeah, he was unique in that, you know, receiving, running kind of role that he had, even just as a receiver, he was pretty special with a quarterback that maybe is a little bit limited. So, yeah, one or I guess two quick notes on this. Uh, one is just that he, I thought Debo would have not had 
quite the uh, yards a catch. He was averaging 18. I mean, he led the league. <laughs> Man is not a deep threat. So just his ability, I was just trying to pull up his air yards because I was really curious. Um, it just was interesting to look at him and Jamar Chase as having these monster seasons and just doing it pretty damn differently mm-hmm. and putting up really similar stats um, mm-hmm. and yards after catch, et cetera. Um, just cool to see how, how many different sort of players you can get at one position in the NFL. Like the wide receiver position is just so varied. A lot what of ways to eat a muffin, not skin a cat. Trying to come up with wouldn't you things. say, though, especially given kind of that this happened in the playoffs a little bit, that maybe a little bit of concern from a dynasty perspective in terms of Debo and how he does things and doing that for multiple seasons in a row, you know, like that would worry me as an owner. I mean, I, definitely if you were to say, would you rather have Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Devonte, well, maybe leave Devonte because he's older out. Sure. Jamar, Justin, or Debo, and I would pick the other two in a heartbeat over him. Yeah. Um, what about Tyree Hill or Debo? Uh, Debo probably. It's an interesting one though. That I like. That's a good one. I like that one. <laughs> no, the uncertainty. That's a fun. That's a fun later. It's a little bit more of a redraft conversation, most likely, but yeah. that's a fun one. Okay. <laughs> Cool. All right, take it um, away. What do you got? The next one I want to talk about is Brandon Cooks. Um, so that actually just blew my lead. I was going to give you a fun little trivia question here, but uh, I'm going to give you just a couple names here uh, to to chew on. So Adam Thielen, Terry McLaurin, Amari Cooper, Devontae Smith, DeAndre Hopkins, AJ Brown. All pretty solid high drafted players um, all finished below Brandon Cooks in fantasy last year. So Brandon Cooks was wide receiver 19. Again, just listed some of the names that he finished over AJ Brown, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Smith. Um, and he had by a mile the worst quarterback situation out of all those guys um, in terms of talent. Obviously, Houston presented some unique opportunities because of their overall team success. But I just Brandon Cooks, I mean, can can you agree with me on this, Ben? Easily a top 10 most underrated player of like our generation. Like the guy just produced like and I'm not like saying that he's a top five guy, but just in terms of it doesn't matter who he's playing with, where he's at. He just can he just produces wherever he goes in terms of catches, yards, touchdowns. I mean, the dude just everywhere he goes, he produces. It's remarkable. Yeah, no matter the system. And every time too, I look at him in the draft and I'm like, Brandon Cooks must be so old and slow now. And then what's he do? Let's have another good season. He one of those Without, yeah, he's one of those guys that just slips under the radar year after year, and every single time you're like, Huh, I guess he did surprisingly well. I definitely shouldn't draft him next year though. He won't keep it up. I can't imagine that there's been a player who's been traded more than Brandon Cooks the last six years, too. Like, the dude has just been everywhere. And it sounds like he's a nice dude. I mean, some guys some guys move their career, and then you find out later that they're, like, fucking weirdo. But yeah. all intent purposes, like, Brandon Cooks seems like a real fun dude. Like, the way they've, teammates have talked about him, he's just like a, I don't know, 
Maybe his like agent's just a real resource. <laughs> Maybe his agent, around. his agent's just a real asshole and just like never satisfied with what he's at. But if if you without looking, Ben, how old do you think Brandon Cooks is? I just looked and it's oh, a lie. Damn it! I know. I literally I just scrolled down and looked at it and was like, no shit. Man, draft draft oh, young players. Don't draft twenty five year old wide receivers. Seriously, draft though. guys who are twenty one. Their first, careers are going to be way longer. His first season when he was when he was twenty. So I mean, obviously a lot of wear and tear on that body, um, but uh, I guess just yeah, remarkable season again. Uh, I didn't own him. Uh, he probably was wavered in a lot of leagues just because like who would want to start a Houston wide receiver? But um, the dude just. If you if you started him the majority of the time, I mean, out of 17 weeks, Ben, nine weeks he finished with more than 10 points in a nine, in a non PPR league. I mean, that's pretty pretty valuable um, to have that level of of production. I mean, there's a lot of guys that certainly didn't do that on a consistent basis. Didn't have, you know, some of the explosive big big games that other wide receivers did, but that was way more because of the quarterback than anything else. So. Um, yeah, just shouts to Brandon Cooks. Keep doing your thing. Who's your last wide receiver you want to talk about, Ben? Last guy we got is Amon Ross St. Brown, um, which partially is just the, the end of the year. Like, sure. he just came on and just watching him in a couple games where he, at the end of the game, was looking like the best player on the field at times. Mm-hmm. Just, like, dominant. Um, and Goff had plenty of fantasy relevance to or gave plenty of fantasy relevance to his receivers back then so it was exciting to see them actually have somebody who was uh explosive it could get the ball and look it like i saw debo it seemed like debo went through this shift where like players suddenly seem bigger than they actually are on the field or doug baldwin for the seahawks doug baldwin when he came onto the field as a rookie he is tiny and he was tiny his whole career but like at, later in his career he just played big and mm. like Amon Ross St. Brown looked like that. Yeah. And he's only, I mean, was he a rookie last year? I should know that off the top of my head, probably. Uh, I think he was a second year. No, he was a rookie last year. You're right. He was yeah. a rookie. Yeah. So, yeah, I was just real, real impressed. And we'll see where it goes. Um, in more, it was more like almost pure eye test. Just watching him mm. play, I was like, dang. If I, if I hadn't watched him play some mm-hmm. and wasn't paying attention and just looking, kind of how he finished stat wise and he still had a you know 90 catch season as a rookie mm-hmm. so uh yeah and, but, and, you know such a easily i mean he's going to be on every dynasty team so it's not going to be very interesting from a draft perspective there but redraft leagues easily a top five most interesting guy to watch you know just like where is he gonna go because i could see him easily going you know in the top eight wide receivers people looking at you know again he's wide receiver three through the last five weeks of the season um but you know in in leagues that maybe didn't pay attention to that kind of thing maybe he falls quite a bit and there's some value there but yeah fascinating guy to watch next year um have a feeling that he's going to either bust or or really blow up i can't really see him being mediocre that's just my my opinion i would be definitely going after owners to try and trade for him yeah that maybe don't believe in golf or the lions that um and we'll see i mean obviously they've They've added some folks, but yeah, added for it. Last one I wanted to touch on before we get into quarterbacks was McLaurin, um, our guy. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> there's always guys that Ben and I both just latch on to from the start, and we're always fighting over in redraft and dynasty leagues, and McLaurin is, has been one of them the last few years. But I think we're getting to this point now, Ben, where I just don't know if this is ever going to happen, and I don't think it's because of the talent thing. I just think that yeah. Washington is is a real mess, and, man, we just talked about Wentz. That's just not going to help the situation there, I don't believe. Um, so what are your what are your thoughts on McLaurin? I, just a, an interesting stat before we get going here again. He was drafted pretty high, a lot of kind of hype. I think it was his third year, um, and you know, just really inconsistent. He finished wide receiver 25. The more troubling thing is the last nine weeks of the season – he was wide receiver 45. Um, he only scored over six points once in non-PPR. So he really fell off towards the end of the year. And I think part of that was because, you know, Washington just didn't have many other weapons and teams were doubling him for sure. But um, am I am I being too pessimistic to kind of sell on McLaurin ever making that turn into, you know, top, top 10 fantasy wide receiver consistently? So, I mean, it's going to depend, obviously, on the quarterback situation, I think. Um, like you say, he's still got the talent. I, I still believe in him. I don't think I'd necessarily go crazy trying to get him, but if he was on my team, I would probably hold him because in two years he could be just killing it. I was just kind of checking some stats because what I was curious of was, was quickly just, it stands out that he had, uh, 77 catches on 131 targets, which is a pretty bad rate. And that is not indicative of his hands or anything. Mm-hmm. Like Tyler Haneke's just not a great quarterback. <laughs> mm-hmm. He just was not getting the ball delivered. And what was interesting, just taking a look, is his air yards. So his yards uh, caught or intended. So like an incomplete, but where he would have caught it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was fourth in the league on that, almost second. Um, he had 1,700 for reference. Justin Jefferson led the league with 2,000. Um, but those other guys had 30, 40 more catches Mm. or targets rather. Mm -hmm. So he was like, I mean, if he would have been coming down with the ball or had a more accurate quarterback, just based on how he was used, he would have Mm -hmm. had an absolute monster year. Yeah. I was, I was kind of really hoping that there would be a team like Green Bay or, um, uh, um, Kansas city that yeah. made a move for Terry. Um, I just think that both of those would have been really interesting fits. I mean, if, if he's on Green Bay or um, Kansas City, top five wide receiver, right? Yeah, well, I don't know why he's not. I mean, he's he's got the same contract issue as Debo. Uh, in the <laughs> blanking somehow on my own wide receiver, DK Metcalf. The monster, A.J. Brown, they all have the same contract issue. And for some reason, McLaren being stuck in a far worse situation where he hasn't got to show his talent is not complaining about it. And if yeah. I were him, like, I mean, there's, you know, money reasons as they're winning reasons. And there's, you know, is my organization a good organization? And none of those are true in Washington. Mm-hmm. Like, why stay? Like, No one would yeah. blame him. And I mean, he's, hold, he's, hold, he's holding out of minicamp right now. Uh, well, you know, up to date news apparently. Yeah. <sighs> All right, Good. where were we? 
Oh, no, I think uh, I think that covers that? the kind of a, a review of the wide receivers. So let's just go through the quarterbacks really quickly. These these can probably be a little bit quicker, not not huge takeaways oh. here. So I'll let you start with uh, with your first observation on quarterbacks last year, Ben. Um, Wentz actually scored some points, even if it was not useful <laughs> in any um, any week. Uh, and while it surprised me that he did end up scoring a little better than what he was actually drafted at, uh, that's because there's, you know, guys like Trey Lance getting drafted ahead that don't actually play. Um, but it was just a reminder that like bad quarterbacks don't get better. <laughs> Move around. Like he's just not good. Mm-hmm. It's proven at this point. I have no idea still how the Colts got anything for him. Um, sometimes that name value or, Apparently, letting another quarterback take your team to the Super Bowl gets you a lot of credit. Yeah, I think um, Wash again. Washington's in a little bit. I mean, they have a yeah. roster that can win now a little bit. Um, and so I think maybe they and they didn't really have a better option. So maybe they were just saying like, "Hey, this is what we got to do to to even compete a little bit." I mean, again, NFC is wide open. So if they think that they can get something from him, you know, they can make the playoffs for sure. Wasn't I, I mean from from their side? I don't think it was terrible. Yeah. Um, it wasn't a huge cost, but from the Colts side, <laughs> y'all didn't have to give them away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens in Washington. I don't have a lot of faith. Um, I can't imagine he's going to get drafted in most leagues. So, but we'll see. Uh, first one I wanted to touch on was Tannehill. Um, Tannehill <laughs> finished quarterback 15, which is better than I thought. I drafted him. Uh, he had a really high cap last year. Uh, because of his success the year before. Obviously, A.J. Brown being as injured as he was, Julio being a non-factor, um, Derrick Henry getting hurt. I think all those things contributed to Tannehill being a little bit down. Uh, they obviously traded A.J. Brown. Um, I think there's a lot of questions with what that offense is going to look like. What are your thoughts, Ben, on Tannehill's outlook for next year, uh, especially when we saw you know, how valuable he was the year before? I think that 2020 was probably the the high water mark for him. Hmm. Um, I think he's the sort of quarterback that is worth rostering, especially in a two QB system, like over some of the lower tier guys that I'd be willing to pay a little bit extra just because there is a chance that he could bring that back. He's still going to get some running yards, rushing yards. Um, But the wide receiver situation, I just don't feel much confidence and i'm excited to talk about the rookie they got works mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. i i feel like the he is he is on a slow downhill at this point yeah He'll probably yeah put himself on another team and not too long and not that he's not i mean he is really out of those 2012 quarterbacks he what <laughs> darn near the second second or third best one yeah kirk i guess yeah. being second maybe I think I liked your your um, observation of maybe having a high water mark. Um, I think that's probably the case. Uh, I can't imagine that he's going to have a better year than he did in 2020. Um, I think that was kind of a stars aligning type of thing, and uh, everything worked out for him. Just rapid fire here, Ben. Who would you rather have in Dynasty League, Derek Carr or Ryan Tannehill? That is funny. That literally, as I was scrolling through names, I was trying to think of a comparison, and I'd probably rather have Derek Carr right now I think the way the offense is going um that that offense moves through Derek Carr far more than the offense moves through Tannehill yeah I would say Derek Carr but I would say that if you switch the players on the teams I would take Tannehill because I think the value of 
being a quarterback in AFC West is that significant. Um, Carson Wentz or Ryan Tannehill, fantasy-wise? Oh, Tannehill. Okay. I mean, Real-life yeah. fantasy poker. <laughs> when, once, once, once finished with 30 more points than Tannehill, so. Yeah, it's... Uh... Yeah, I had a little better offense in India, I guess. That is surprising to hear. Challenge challenges me a teeny bit. I'm like, how many games did he play? Yeah. But Wentz, sure. Wentz did surprise me with his scoring. And I but I think I had Tannehill at least on one team. Um, partially because I watched him play well the year before and was like, man, I mean, he just sat. The way our salary works too mm-hmm. in our league, like players, quarterbacks, especially with really high um scoring the year before have a tendency to sit if their talent doesn't necessarily match. But he still he still puts up games. So mm-hmm. yeah. Who's your number two, Ben? Uh, old Tom, which some of it's just like a shout out at this point. He's what like going into his 40, 45 year old season, which is insane. Um, he had uh, in I think the most hilarious thing. Uh, I need to, I want to like look back and find, maybe he had like one 30 yard run. He had 81 yards rushing, <laughs> uh, which was his most in 10 years. It was like damn near career high. And I'm like, what, How, when did that, <laughs> maybe he was able, people just weren't willing to hit him or something, or maybe he's gotten savvier in his old age, but uh, that was impressive, but he finished third and he's had uh, second. Mixed, second, second, second. Yeah. I mean, hell, that's even better than <laughs> for bolstering my point. Um, but just that uh, there's certain quarterbacks, like I think Tom in particular, that as long as it's not a year where they're getting overdrafted, I'm real happy taking them over a guy that might break out, especially in two quarterback leagues where like you have a stud and you're trying to get the other um, kind of backup quarterback a guy like him i would way rather have i think than trying to be like is um trey lance is kirk cousins or yeah yeah, trey lance like just go for it and there's you know there's dynasty issues like i was thinking about jalen hurts a little bit like yeah well yeah i mean tom brady's cap's gonna be fucking massive so like he probably won't get rastered next year yeah yeah (laughs) the one fatal flaw in our system uh now somebody will pick him up but yeah it's you know, it's pretty remarkable at this point. I, I guess, again, me just playing devil's advocate on this, um, not because I hate Tom or anything, but, uh, you know, he was quarterback six the last eight weeks. So uh, a little bit less consistent, but I mean, still super solid. So um, what do you, are, are you anticipating he's going to be a top five guy again next year? Um, no, but if he falls into that, 10-ish range i don't i like i think the value won't be quite as there this year yeah i think the expectation that he was getting older and wasn't going to be able to do it so i don't know how many lessons can really be drawn from uh you know somebody we won't ever see again but i was just thoroughly impressed with what he put up and how much he threw the ball mm-hmm. um yeah he was pretty special um Last one for me, Ben, is I'm just going to end on a bang, and that's the number, number one quarterback in fantasy last year, Josh Allen. A lot of debate going into last year whether Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Patrick Mahomes, you know, who should go one. Um, and 
really Josh was clear cut the best quarterback in fantasy last year. And I think probably fair to say that he's probably the best quarterback in dynasty to have when you consider kind of all the factors at play there. Um, you know, the Mahomes issues with Kansas City and the cap and kind of what the talent level has done there. Um, Kyler Murray has injury issues. Uh, you could maybe argue Joe, Bur- Joe Burrow, I suppose. Um, but I, I think Josh Allen is pretty clear cut the number one player in fantasy moving forward. And he certainly was the best quarterback in fantasy last year. Yeah, I mean, I think just the fact that he has the rushing ability that he does 700 yards for just two worth it. he doesn't rush doesn't get hurt um like lamar or as we're starting to see like he runs a little different he's still probably a, a little bit challenges players a little bit too much but it's really hard to not take that upside and just expect him to be consistent enough to stay right in the top two or three like mm-hmm. he probably isn't going to be number one again next year. Like there's usually somebody that bumps up, but I have more faith in him being like second or third than I do Kyler Murray or Dak or even Mahomes. I mean, I think Mahomes is going to have a challenging year. He's probably still going to finish high, but I think there's a little bit more risk than Josh Allen that I'm just feel pretty good about just letting Josh Allen throw the ball, get a couple of runs every game, going to score a bunch of touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, people obviously rave about Lamar's rushing ability and draft Lamar because of his rushing ability. Josh Allen finished with 67 less rushing yards than Lamar Jackson last year. Um, yeah. I mean, pretty... Quite a few more games, but... Uh, well, what do you... Oh, because Lamar was unhealthy. Did he get hurt? Oh, yeah, he was hurt the last three weeks. Or four of the last... Okay, yeah, that makes more sense. I actually didn't realize that, so that's a good clarification there. Um. In terms of attempts, Lamar had actually still had more attempts, which is interesting. <laughs> Lamar had 20 more attempts than Josh Allen, even on all his other games. So um, Lamar was 767 yards on 133 attempts. Josh Allen was 700 yards on 117. So, um, yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. Cool. Well, that was a great recap, Ben, of kind of wide receivers and quarterbacks of last year. Um, I think we're both ready to stop talking about last year and start talking about next year with stuff. Um, So I think our next episode is going to be all about kind of reactions to the draft. We're not going to certainly go team by team or player by player in terms of who was taken, but just going to do some overall big picture takeaways um, from that. And uh, yeah, I think folks will be really interested to to hear what we have to say on that i'm sure we have some interesting sleepers some of which will hit home runs on and some of which will probably never even play next year but some of which will be felix jones <laughs> we will forever hold them on our rosters and they won't ever matter that's right that's right so anything else to add ben before we close out for today no nah, i'm just looking forward to talking draft a little and getting out of the kind of the doldrums of the season where there's not really any good news and everything is fluff, but I'm going to enjoy some baseball in the meantime and uh, hope the Mariners keep start, keep winning. I don't know where All they're the at. All, the <laughs> All of it. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again, everybody. Uh, this has been dynasty ball, the dynasty fantasy football podcast till next time. Mm-hmm.